0: Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the big red wave edition. This week, we're dissecting the results of Ohio's midterm election. We're going to talk about the U.S. Senate race, the blowout in the statewide races, the newer, bigger supermajorities in Ohio's House and Senate, and what might get passed during the lame duck session. Joining me today from just outside the ballroom at the Impact Ohio Convention Center is reporter Haley B. Miller. Hello. I am kind of awake now. Yeah, I got, I got a lot more sleep last night. I don't know about you. Yeah, last night was my uh,
1: catch-up from election night.
0: So our first topic is J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. Nearly $100 million was spent on this race. And when the dust settled, Vance won the open U.S. Senate seat by a healthy margin. So, Haley, you covered this race for our team. What are the big takeaways from Vance's victory?
1: Well, in a lot of ways, I don't know. I think it's surprising that Vance won. We've seen Ohio Trending Red in recent years, and he had a lot of broad appeal. I can't remember the exact number, but he won a lot of Ohio's counties. He, he, you know, got a boost from President Donald Trump, had that endorsement that really helped him through the primary and, you know, in some ways through the general election as well. He also got a lot of outside Republican Support in the form of ad money, which was helpful because Tim Ryan was raising a lot, a lot of money,
0: you a know? lot more than he did.
1: Right. right. Yeah. He he vastly outraised Vance. And so we did see Ryan run a very successful Democratic campaign. All things considered, he kept things interesting until the very end, put a lot more attention on Ohio than anyone Really expected, and you know, had some people wondering if he was going to be able to flip the seat. You know, it didn't pan out that way. I think part of that is because you didn't see the um the overwhelming turnout and some of Ohio's bigger counties, like Franklin County and Cuyahoga county, they their turnout dipped a little bit. And with those being democratic strongholds, you know, he worked really hard to kind of appeal to independents and moderates as well, but Democrat has also need to turn out those counties perhaps more than they did Tuesday. So that may be a point of reflection for them going forward.
0: But it wasn't all bad news for Democrats. Uh, They're going to be sending five, not four, congresspeople to the U.S. House of Representatives. Greg Landsman down in Cincinnati unseated longtime congressman Steve Shabbat, Amelia Sykes won the open seat in Akron, and Marcy Kepter held on to her district up in Toledo. So, I mean, they lost the Senate race, but they got a surprise in the House. Yeah, they exceeded a lot of
1: expectations. Captors district was really drawn to get her out of office. She's the longest serving woman in Congress and Republicans really wanted to flip that seat. They had initially planned to spend in that district, but, um, Republican J.R. Majewski ran into some trouble. There were questions about whether he was lying about his military service. So that national Republican money never came in. And that was a big blow to his campaign, um, Redistricting was also a factor in the shabbat Landsman race. Shabbat had a tougher district this time around because he had the Democratic C- city of Cincinnati in there. And, you know, we knew that one was going to be close going into it. I personally was surprised by it. I figured, you know, the... Inc- shabbats I mean, they've been trying to get him for years. Right. And, you know, incumbents usually do well, but Landsman was able to pull it off. And, and that was probably one of the bigger upsets of the night, I think, you know, the Sykes-Gilbert race was really close, really competitive. In the end, Sykes's experience and her ties to Akron and Summit County really prevailed.
0: So our second topic is the blowout in all the statewide races. So Governor Mike DeWine won a decisive victory by more than 20 percentage points, and all the statewide candidates won big, including the three seats up on Ohio Supreme Court. So, I mean, overall, it was just a really good night for Republicans.
1: Yeah, they are very happy this week um, and have, you know, said repeatedly, like I just said earlier, Ohio is a red state and there's definitely truth to that. Um, You know, there are in the state legislature and in the congressional districts, um, Republicans saw a lot of success there. And that's because that's in part because they were running and very Republican favored maps that were deemed unconstitutional by the Ohio Supreme Court. So in those races, Democrats say, well, those, you know, that had the intended effect. um, We figured that was going to happen because they gerrymandered their districts
0: yeah and you know what i thought was interesting actually not to bring it back to jd vance but when he got up to give his speech he thanked governor mike dewine and i think there's a lot of acknowledgement of that up and down the ticket that you know winning um by winning more than 60 percent of the vote he had some pretty long coattails and i'm sure vance and all the other statewide candidates certainly benefited from that
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's a popular governor. He's very well known. He was the incumbent. Yeah, a lot of name ID. He was the incumbent in this race, and I mean, and that's why you saw, I think, the statewide ticket um for the Republicans campaigning together. At the end, because they all could have benefited from from DeWine's presence on the campaign trail.
0: Yeah, what I thought was really interesting was polls closed here at 730 and by like 731, Fox News and some of the other outlets were calling the race for Governor DeWine. It was very fast. Oh, so I mean, I knew it was going to be fast. <laughs>
1: I didn't think it was going to be that fast. And that, you know, again, just speaks to, you know, how easy of a race this was for him in a lot of ways. And he really didn't campaign at all. And he apparently really didn't need to.
0: Yeah, he did. uh, He ended up being able to do a lot of work for some of the down ticket candidates instead, since he didn't have to worry about his own race. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about some of those right now, which our third topic is the statehouse, where Republicans also had a really good night. So two statehouse seats are still too close to call, but Republicans grew their majorities in both chambers, And the only thing we're really waiting on is to see by how much. So, Senate President Matt Huffman says the last time anyone held this big of a majority in the Ohio Senate was 1951. The GOP has 26 of those seats, and Democrats will have seven. So, 26 to seven.
1: Yeah, that is. That's a super, super majority. Yes, that's. It makes it very difficult, if not impossible, for Democrats to really get anything done. Um, They're optimistic that they'll still be able to steer the conversation going into the next legislative session. But it's really just a huge domination by the GOP. And going back to what I said earlier, you know, um, Democrats are going to blame this on gerrymandering. Oh, yeah, 100%. They already are.
0: Yeah, the new uh, minority leader of the Ohio Senate, Nikki Antonio, told me she was like, it was gerrymandered unconstitutional districts. And now Hoffman says that he thought there was kind of three reasons why Republicans did so good. One was what we kind of acknowledged here is that demographics in Ohio are shifting in a way that favor Republicans. He also said, you know, Republicans had a lot more money and he thought they had better candidates. But then he also said uh, he thought Democrats had a, quote, poor strategy on redistricting now. I will say that actually got quite a laugh from House Minority Leader Alison Russo, who gave me like the quote of the week when she said that was like a bank robber offering her financial advice.
1: Yeah, Democrats are very noticeably still frustrated with how the redistricting process went. And it doesn't seem like they're super optimistic about how it's going to go, you know, next year when mapmakers have to reconvene and try to do this all over again. Republicans Swept the state Supreme Court races, so the yeah uh, friendlier the friendlier yeah. court that the supreme or the Democrats had last year with Maureen O'Connor signing with Democrats on a lot of these map decisions that it's going to be a completely di- different dynamic next year
0: yeah, our fourth and final topic is actually what's going to get underway here next week, and that's the lame duck session. Lame Duck is the few weeks between an election and the swearing in of new lawmakers, and it's basically from now until the end of the year. And it's usually a time when folks scramble to pass all the things left on their to-do list, but it can also be a time when controversial legislation gets passed late at night with little debate. And so we've got a couple of things on our radar, things like abortion, bills impacting transgender kids, election law, criminal justice reform, how the state's going to spend the billions of dollars that has left from federal COVID relief. Like, there's a lot of things that are still on the table.
1: Yeah. So that's something we've heard a lot about at this conference that we've been hanging out at today. It seems like lawmakers on both sides of the aisle really want to figure out where a lot of these federal dollars are going to go because there's still about 10 billion left to spend. I think whatever they don't decide on that during lame duck will be taken up during the budget, but it'll definitely be a big priority. Another thing I find interesting about this lame duck is that usually it gets the name lame duck because there's this idea that people in power trying to get a bunch of stuff done before you know the new folks take over but that's not happening because dewine's still going to be governor and republicans are still going to have a super majority
0: yeah that's one of the questions because the majorities are actually going to get even bigger next year and so i'll be curious to see whether there's a rush to get things done like there have been in years past because they can come back next year and do a lot of this stuff they can come back with an even bigger majority and do a lot of this stuff so but also the only thing to keep in mind about that is a new General Assembly means everything starts over from square one. So if something's already passed the House or already passed the Senate, if it's close to the finish line, sometimes it is just easier to try and get it through rather than starting all over again. Right. So that's why I think,
1: you know, we're going to see a lot of the big ticket priorities and lame duck just because they don't want to have to start from the
0: beginning. And one more thing before you go, if the election results made you want to drink either in celebration or sadness, you got a lot more options in Westerville now. Westerville voters said yes to six businesses seeking to expand liquor options. Now, it could be at least a month before these locations start serving booze. But for a place that was still dry in the 1990s, it kind of marked a big shift. I will never
1: be over, as someone who is not from Ohio originally, the idea of a state-sponsored liquor agency, but <laughs> glad to see people are getting their opportunities.
0: Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we cover, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Fremont News Messenger. That's the news-messenger dot com.